Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in the book of Revelation, reading there in the second chapter of the tenth verse. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus, you who are here in God's house, you also Christian friends who are worshiping with us by means of the radio, and especially you, my young friends, the 47 members of the confirmation class. I hope, boys and girls, that you are relaxed and that you feel at home here in God's house and that you know you are among friends. I'd like to talk to you a bit this morning. Today, you know, my young friends, is Palm Sunday. If you were in church last Wednesday night when I was showing some of my pictures of the Holy Land, you remember that I showed you several pictures of the Palm Sunday Road. You saw it was rather dusty, do you remember? And I told you, though, that I had walked that Palm Sunday Road. I had gone down from the Mount of Olives, past the Garden of Gethsemane, and crossed the Brook Kedron, and relived what had happened on that dusty road a centuries ago. And today is Palm Sunday, my young friends, and something majestic and wonderful happened on that road centuries ago this day. You remember in talking about Jesus, we said he had an earthly ministry of about three years. He spent two years up in Galilee. He had about a nine-month ministry down in Judea. And then he crossed the Jordan and he went over into Perea and he had about a three or a four-month ministry there. This was at the time when his earthly ministry was now at an end and he was coming back to Jerusalem, boys and girls, for the last time when he was going to suffer and die. He was in Perea and he came in and crossed the Jordan and he came to the little village of Bethany and he stayed there on Saturday night, and there they had a banquet for him. And then early on Sunday morning, on this Palm Sunday morning, Jesus decided that he was going to do something and in going into the holy city that he had never done before. He was going to go in and he was going to ride into that city because this was his last entry into the holy city before his death. Here was the final entry and he decided that here was the time when he was going to fulfill prophecy that Zechariah over 400 years before Jesus came into the world had said that Messiah would ride into the city of Jerusalem, mind you, on a lowly donkey colt. This was the day when Jesus said, I will fulfill that prophecy. Well, it was early on this morning then, and there were a lot of pilgrims in Jerusalem who had come to celebrate the Passover, and they had heard that Jesus, several months before this, had made a trip to Bethany and had, laid, had, had raised Lazarus from the dead. And these pilgrims that were in Jerusalem who had come from Galilee, they wanted to see this Jesus who had raised a man who had been dead for four days. And so early on this morning, young friends, there was quite a group that went out 
and they went up to the Mount of Olives and they came to Bethany because they wanted to see Jesus. And then he started on this morning centuries ago and as he came to the slope of the Mount of Olives and they came to a little village of Bethphage, he told two of his disciples, he said, you go into the village over ahead of you and he said, you're going to find a mother uh, donkey there and you're going to find the colt. Will you untie them and bring them to me? And lo and behold, they went into that village and there was the mother donkey and there was the little colt and they brought them to Jesus and they took off their garments and they put their garments on the mother colt and on the colt and on the mother and then they put Jesus on the little colt and no human being had ever ridden on this donkey colt, boys and girls, but Jesus got on him. And then they started down the Palm Sunday Road. And all the while there was a throng coming from Jerusalem. They wanted to see this great miracle worker who had raised Lazarus. And so it was then, centuries ago, that as Jesus rode down this dusty Palm Sunday Road, and he was on this little donkey colt, the people, they began to say, well, this is our Messiah, this is our Savior, this is the Son of David. And some of them took off their outer garments and they put them in that dusty road. And others climbed up in the palm trees and they cut off branches and they put them in the road too. And as Jesus came along, was riding on this little donkey colt, they began to shout, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And we are told in the word of God, boys and girls, that there were boys and girls along in this throng on this Palm Sunday, and they shouted that he was their Savior. He was the Son of David. He was the Messiah. So I think you can see why. Palm Sunday has become a great day, especially for boys and girls. And as you know, today is your confirmation day. You may say, well, Reverend, what are you talking about, confirmation? You know we talked about it in class. To confirm something means to ratify it, doesn't it? It means to renew some kind of a promise. It means to give your okay to something. Well, you see, this is the idea of confirmation. Most of you were infants when mother and father brought you to the baptismal bowl here in church, and your godparents were with you, your godfathers and godmothers, and on the day of your baptism, mother and father gave you to the Lord Jesus Christ. You became a Christian on the day of your baptism. This is when you were born again of water and the Spirit. And on that day, that great day in your life when you were baptized, a mother and father and your sponsors, they made some great promises to Christ. They promised Christ that they would train you in the Word of God. And they promised Christ that you would remain loyal and true to Him. They spoke for you in your stead. And then because they had promised that you were to be trained in the Word of God, they sent you to catechism. And we've had some nice days, haven't we? You thought at first it was going to be boresome, but I think as we look back, we enjoyed those Saturdays, even though you had to get up early and some of you didn't like them. But we were trained, and in the Word of God, you know, we talked about the Ten Commandments, we talked about the Creed, we studied the Lord's Prayer, we studied the Sacrament of Baptism, we studied the Sacrament of the Lord's Supper, and here we are on Palm Sunday and uh, this group is here today 
mother and dad and grandparents and aunts and uncles, and there are a lot listening on the radio, and today you are going to confirm and you are going to renew that baptismal promise. They're waiting to hear you say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to be faithful and true to you, not because father and mother promised on the day of my baptism that I would be, but now that I've come to know you even better in catechism days, this is what I want to do. So you're going to confirm, you're going to ratify, you are going to renew that baptismal covenant. And as we are here in church for this great day in your life, your confirmation day, I would remind you of the word of God that I just read, uh, the word of Jesus himself from the book of Revelation, where Jesus would say to you this morning, boys and girls, 30 of you girls and 17 of you boys, he would say, this is what I would say to you, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Jesus says, boys and girls, on your confirmation day, will you, as you say it yourselves, will you be faithful and loyal and true to me? Will you promise that you will be faithful up to the very day of your death and the very moment of your death? And Jesus says, if you will promise me that, I promise you a crown of life. And you may say to me this morning, well, Reverend, if we are going to be faithful and true to the day of our death, what does that mean? What's that going to require of us? What does this entail in our Christian life? And on the basis of the Word of God, I would just like to speak to you this morning rather briefly on just what that's going to mean. Then you may say, well, will it be a happy life for me? If I, on my confirmation day, if I give Jesus my loyalty and my allegiance and I tell him I'm going to be loyal, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to be true up to the very moment of my death, will I ever regret it? Do you think that I will say, well, I've missed something in life? Well, Jesus would like to remind you when he says, will you be faithful to me to death? He would remind you that it means this in the first place. It means that you put his will first in your life. You know, we studied the Ten Commandments in Catechism. You recall the first commandment says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And we talked about putting Christ first in your life. You see, Jesus says, If you're going to be loyal and faithful to me to the day of your death, I would like to have you put my will first. And you may say, uh, What is right and what is wrong in life? You know, a lot of philosophers are asking that question. There are adults that are saying, nobody knows what is right and nobody knows what is wrong. But you remember in catechism, we didn't have too much trouble with that, did we? We said, this is right which Christ approves of. And we said, this is wrong which Jesus says he does not approve of. We said this, that Christ determines what is right and what is wrong. We didn't make that hard, did we? We said, Jesus says, what I do is right. What I say is wrong, that's wrong. He decides. And Jesus says, if you will be loyal and true to me, will you just make my will your will in life? And Jesus says, and I want you also to know that what is right is what pleases me, and what is wrong is what displeases me. And he reminded us, you recall in Catechism, that it never varies. What is right today is going to be right throughout eternity. And what is wrong today is going to be wrong throughout eternity. And so when you say, well, if I'm going to be loyal and true to him, uh, what does this mean in my life? Jesus says, I want you to put my will first. And then you may say, well, will I be happy? And may I assure you, you will, because boys and girls, this is the joy that will come, the joy of feeling good down inside. You'll have a conscience that won't nag you. You'll have a conscience that won't condemn you. 
You'll have a conscience that won't say you're guilty. You have broken God's law. And may I assure you as your pastor that you show me somebody that's got a guilty conscience, somebody that is troubled within because they have done wrong, which they know they should not have done, done and I'll show you a very miserable person. Oh, it will simplify your life if today on your confirmation you will say, I'm going to be loyal and true. I promise you, Lord Jesus, this day that I'm going to let your will be mine. If it's right, I'll do it. If it's wrong, no, I will stop regardless of what it offers me. I promise you joy, peace within. Jesus reminds you that it also means this. If you are going to put him first, and if you are going to be loyal and true to him, that you're going to have respect for his name. You know, in the second commandment, he talked about uh, we should not take his name in vain. Remember, we talked about his name. We said everything we know about Christ is his name. The word of God is his name. And what he would like to have you do then in life, if you put him first, and if you're going to be loyal and true, that you're going to have a respect. You're going to have an utter reverence for his word. He would like to have you have a quiet hour in your life. You see, we've come to the end of confirmation now, haven't we? And we say, well, now's the time to put away my catechism book. Oh, not at all. I hope, young friends, that you'll have some time every day when you'll be alone. And when you'll turn to the Word of God and you'll let God speak to you in that Word and you'll have a moment of prayer, you will talk to your Lord. In Sunday school this morning, each one of you was given a copy of the New English Bible. And may I say that's a beautiful translation. There is a new translation of the Old Testament and the New Testament that I know that you can understand. And I know everybody within the sound of my voice, if they can read English, can understand it. I hope that there will be a quiet hour sometime every day when you will be alone. And you will take the Word of God and again your prayer book and you will commune with your Lord and you will grow to know Him much more intimately and He will become part of your life. And you say, well, Reverend, will life be happier? Oh, I'm sure it will. Because, listen, you will find out that you've got a friend that never leaves you nor forsakes you. You'll find out that when adversities come and troubles, you won't have to reach way out here and where is he? You're going to find that he's been such a close friend that he's right at your side. You can just reach up and take him by the hand. And you can say, Lord Jesus, you're always with me. You give me strength for the day. I hope you use those Bibles. Somebody in this church that loves you and loves kids wanted you to have it. And I'm sure you will enjoy it so very much. You may say, well, this is my confirmation day. I'm going to speak for myself. I'm going to ratify uh, some of the precious promises that my parents made when I became a Christian on the day of my baptism. And when my sponsors, my godfather and godmother also made the promise, and you would say, uh, Reverend, what does that mean? What, is, what am I going to have to do in my life? Uh, Jesus would also remind you that uh, it means this, that you will respect his holy day. Remember we talked about remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy? You know, here in our congregation, we have a club, as we call it. We call it the, uh, the 1,000 Club. It is made up of all members of the congregation who have made a promise to Christ uh, that every Sunday, even if they have to drag, they're going to be in church unless it's utterly impossible. I'd like to have you, my young friends, join the 1,000 Club this morning. 
Let it be a promise of your life. Say, Lord, I'm going to be loyal, I'm going to be true. And that means that every Sunday I'm going to be in church. I'm going to hear your word. That means something. You may say, to be in God's house. Oh, yes, why? Here is where we learn about Christ. Isn't that right? Here is where we hear about that good news, that God's Son came out of the ivory palaces, you know, we've talked about it so often, and came into this world, and he became a human being. He was born of the Virgin Mary, and he went to the cross, and he died for you and me. He bore hell and damnation for you and me, that in that shed blood of Jesus, your Lord and mine, that he has brought life, he has brought this crown of life for you and me. He died to make it possible that you and I could be saved from hell and could live eternally with him. This is what we hear in church. You hear it every Sunday. Every Sunday that I have ever stood in this pulpit, you have heard that. And may I say, this is the joy that will come. If right now in life you say, this is settled, Sunday is the Lord's day, I'm going to worship. Oh, the joy of seeing that crown become more wonderful and more beautiful and see it glow, that in life you will say, this is the prized possession. You know, on the Saturday when you came back for catechism after the Christmas holidays, you wrote me a letter, and I told you, when you write me a letter, no one will ever read this letter but me, and I told you that I, I didn't want to snoop. I didn't want you to tell me anything that you didn't want me to tell me, but just to tell me anything that you wanted to tell me. And I know uh, you, we talked about, do you like to go to church? And so many of you said, oh, yes, we love to go to church. And some of you said, I wish father and mother loved to go as much as we do. We've got to depend on them. I hope that as you confirm yourselves to God and to his church this morning, that you've got parents that are going to say, we're going to be there with them. This is joy in life. Jesus says, be thou faithful unto death. Uh, will you be loyal and faithful and true? And you may say, oh, what does that mean, Lord? And you may say, again, you know, we've talked about the command. We say, this is what it means. Jesus says, and he reminds you that it means that you be obedient to your parents that you obey them. This is being loyal and true. He would remind you this morning that you were born in homes, weren't you? And do you realize, boys and girls, that father and mother take the place of Christ in the home. They stand there as his representatives. And in the letters that you wrote to me, it, it was heartwarming, dads and mothers. Without exception, these kids said, when I asked them, are you happy at home? These kids said, oh, yes. Our father and mother, they're the greatest. I just puffed up and I thought, wonderful. Then again, they would say, sometimes they're a little hard on us. Sometimes we think they're a bit unfair, but I guess we needed it when they discipline us. Thank God that you feel that way. Your parents are placed over you by God. They must give an account of your soul. If at times you think they're a little bit too severe, maybe they've grounded you a little too long, will you just remember they love you? And will you just remember this? They want you to remain faithful in Jesus Christ. 
And the joy you're going to have in learning discipline. We look out at a world today and we wonder, uh, these boys and girls who have grown up and who know no discipline, no respect for God or government or man, we wonder what kind of homes did they come out of? Yours will be the joy as God himself says, you realize on the fourth commandment it's the only one where God gives a special promise that thy days may be long upon the earth that it may be well with thee, God says, if you learn obedience because I want you to be loyal and true to Jesus, I'll bless you with long life. I'll bless you with a lot of joys. The joy of an obedient child. You say to me, I'm to be faithful to death. This is the promise I'm going to make this morning. I'm going to say it myself. My father and mother and my sponsors, they spoke for me on the day of my baptism and I'm going to reaffirm it. I'm going to renew that baptism about, oh yes. And don't be afraid. You say, what, what's it going to cost me? Uh, what does it entail? And Jesus says it means this. It means that, again, that you be pure in life. That you be pure in life. You may say, what about purity of life? I can think back when some of you started catechism in the earlier grades. You came to me at times, several of you would say, Reverend, what's adultery? And when you asked me that question, of course, I knew then that you didn't know, and I would explain it something like this. I'd say, to adulterate something, young friend, means to spoil something good. And I would say to you, if you were having me breakfast this morning, and Mother took a nice glass of milk and she put coal oil into it and gave it to you, she would be adulterating something nice. Then I explained to you that when God made us, he made us male and female. And God made us holy and righteous, and he wanted us that way. And God performed the first wedding ceremony in the Garden of Eden. And God wanted us to remain pure as boys and girls until in marriage we would exercise the power that God had given to our bodies. And now that you are 14, God has worked some changes in your bodies, hasn't he? You young girls, your young ladies, and you boys, your young men. And again, Jesus says, I, I want purity in life, that you may have the joy, the joy of self-respect. May I just say this, that as you give your loyalty to Jesus Christ, let it be a pure life. Just the joy of virtue. Just the joy of being the clean, living, Christian boys and girls that Jesus wants. That's a joy and a satisfaction. Don't let anybody take it away from you. Jesus says it means to be kind. You know, he also talked about not killing, to be kind to others. I ask you in that letter whether you had any pets. And oh, I was surprised the number of pets all of you had. You talk, oh yes, we've got so many dogs, and we've got so many cats, and some of you had uh, so many white rats and mice, and some of you had chickens, and some of you had pigs, and some of you had a pony. And one of you said this. You said, and my dog got sick, and oh, I prayed to Jesus. And he made my doggy well. You know, we talked about, I talked to you about my pumpkin, didn't I? And we talked about kindness. You know, when we talk about animals and kindness, some people say, was Jesus ever kind to animals? Well, I'd like to mention Palm Sunday. You know, some people wonder, on this great day when he made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, it was the last 
entry into the holy city before he died, do you know that he, oh, he loved animals. He was kind. Why, when he sent two disciples over in the village uh, to get again the donkey, the mother donkey and the colt, do you ever wonder why he says, bring them both? Jesus didn't ride the mother donkey. He rode the colt, didn't he? You may say, well, why didn't they, Jesus, just say, well, just bring the little colt. Oh, he loved animals. He knew if they brought that colt, and of course the colt was old enough and big enough that Jesus could ride. If they brought the donkey colt, he would miss his mother, and Jesus didn't want that. And he knew the mother would miss the colt. So he said, bring them both. Your master, mine, he loved animals. Oh, yes, he loved everything that lived. And you're kind, and oh, that's not... And when you're kind to animals, and we love them, we learn reverence for life, and we learn to be kind to our fellow man. When I ask you, what are you going to plan to be? And so many of you said, I don't know yet. Uh, I've got several things in mind. But so many of you said, but this we do plan. We want to help people. I thank God for that. Oh, it made me feel great just to read that. We want to help people. A couple of you said, we want to help older people because we love older people and they need our help. This is being loyal and faithful and true, to learn to be kind. Jesus says, if you want to know what I mean, I want you to be loyal and faithful and true. Uh, Jesus says, I want you to be honest with me. You know, we talked about stealing and we talked about being honest with our Lord. Remember last Sunday afternoon downstairs in the church parlors when at the Luther League uh, reception for you were given a treasury box? Do you realize just what a treasury box means? Oh, it, it's a beautiful gift, isn't it? A treasury box reminds you, young friends, that you belong to Christ that your very life comes from him, that your time belongs to him, your talents, all the abilities that you have, and your treasury belongs to him. And when you got that treasury box last Sunday afternoon, it will remind you in your Christian life that all that you have belongs to him. And when you put in that treasury box the gift that you're going to give him, you are recognizing him as the Lord who has blessed you and to whom you owe everything, life itself, and eternal salvation. This is the joy again. And in Luther League, this is what we're going to learn more and more about our Christ, that we're stewards. And the joy is going to come that as you share your time and your talents and your treasury, small though it may be, and you witness for Jesus Christ the joy that's going to come in seeing others who are going to love the same Jesus that you love. Uh, sometimes people say children can't be missionaries. I know better. I know that you can. I know that you're very concerned about Christ. And I know that many of you are very much concerned about, again, the boys and girls with whom you associate, that they may know him. The joy of witnessing. This is what we're talking about as we're going to confirm ourselves. And Jesus would say, I mean this if I call upon you this morning and I want you to be faithful to me to the very day of your death. I want you to learn to speak the truth in love. You know, we talked about lying and then we talked about speaking the truth in love. That Jesus says a lot of times we may speak the truth and it may hurt. It may be truth that wasn't necessary to be spoken and we, we can hurt people. Remember I told you one day about 
the wife of one of the presidents of the United States who died of a broken heart because of the unkind things that people had said about her. And I ask you as Christian boys and girls, not only to speak the truth, but oh, to speak it in love. I ask you, as you wrote in the letter, do you like school? Are you well liked at school? And all of you said, oh, we want to be liked. And some of you said, I, I don't know whether I'm liked as much as I'd like to be in school. But again, may I say one of the secrets, boys and girls, when you're loyal and faithful to Jesus, that you will learn that you're going to speak the truth in love. You're going to be kind with your words. And you're going to find that when you're kind with your words, and you learn to put the best construction on everything, and you learn to say nice things about people, because there are nice things we can say, you're going to find the joy of having friends, the joy of getting along with people, you see, there are some who just don't know how to get along with others. And that's why we're at war. But oh, today on your confirmation, when you promise Jesus that you'll be loyal and true, tell him you're going to speak the truth and it's always going to come from love. And then he would remind you that it means you're not going to be jealous because of the material things that other people may have that you don't have. God blesses us in a number of ways with material things, and sometimes we get rather jealous and envious, don't we? If somebody has more of the earthly things in life than you and I have, and we wonder about it. Remember I told you this story in catechism one day. I asked if you knew John D. Rockefeller, and uh, some of you knew the name Rockefeller, but I remind you, when I was a little boy, uh, anybody here about my age would see, you mentioned John D. Rockefeller, everybody said, well, he was the richest man in the world. Remember I told you about him? Oh, yes, we still know the name. I told you about John D. Rockefeller. He was the richest man in the world, and yet this man had a stomach. You see, he lived it a day, and we don't have all the medicines we have. That the only thing that he could put on his stomach that would remain there and nourish him was not only milk, but it was mother's milk. They went to the hospital and they bought mother's milk from nursing mothers. And this is the only milk that John D. Rockefeller, the richest man in the world, could tolerate on his stomach. Then you remember I mentioned to you how you like a, a hamburger and you like french fries and you like a Coke or you like a milkshake? Just think, John D. Rockefeller, the richest man in the world, he couldn't enjoy that. How wealthy and how satisfied and how thankful we ought to be for what we have. And I told you about a man that came up to me, a very successful businessman, and he did this as a rather joke, and he went like this, and he handed out his hand. He gave me an eye. It was a glass eye. He had a glass, didn't know it. And he would take it out and hand it. And I thought to myself, with all the money that man has, thank God, I still had two eyes. Jesus says, don't be jealous of anybody. Don't be jealous of anything that they have. Learn to be content, Jesus says. Be loyal and true to me. Be satisfied with what I've given you. And don't be afraid of tomorrow, Jesus says. You be content. And I'll take care of you. This is what he means, young friends. And today is Palm Sunday. Today is Confirmation Day. You are the 34th class that I am confirming 
as minister of Emmanuel Congregation. My first class in 1938. I asked you yesterday how many of you had either a mother or father in one of my children's confirmation classes and there were 12 hands were going around the second time. This may be my last confirmation class. I've counted up how many children have been confirmed in my ministry here. There are exactly with your class 1116. When I was in the Holy Land and I walked the glory road, the old dusty Palm Sunday road, the thought struck me, oh, how I'd love to be here on Palm Sunday. And I'd love to walk this road and I'd like to have in back of me all the kids that have been confirmed by me at Emmanuel. And I would think today I'd love to be on the Palm Sunday road in the Holy Land today if behind me I could have 1,116 boys and girls. Some have gone to their reward. But may I assure you, young friends, it's been a privilege. It's been a great, great privilege for God to let me have the honor of training 1,116 children for the crown of life. I hope I have done it well. I have one prayer. That when he comes again, that I might be at the head of this procession, that I might present all the boys and girls to him, and that not one will be missing. Not one would lose it. And I know that's the prayer of your fathers and mothers and the sponsors this morning. Their prayer is, O oh God, anything but that they don't miss the crown. You have beautiful confirmation outfits on today. You will never wear any garment that has been bought you more willingly and joyfully than what you have on. With this great cloud of witnesses that you see here in church this morning and those that are listening on the radio, I know they are saying to me, tell them to be loyal, to be faithful, and to be true. This is what they would don't disappoint your parents. Above all, I don't care what you accomplish in life. They would like to see you in heaven. They would like to see you having the crown of life. That's my prayer for you. And as your name is read again this morning as it was on your baptismal day and the chime rings, let the world know that you are reaffirming, you are confirming, you are ratifying your baptismal vow, and you're going to be loyal, and you're going to be true. We love you. If you've seen some tears in your home this morning, it's because Dad and Mom, they love you even unto eternal life. Sing your class song. Jesus, be our guide as through life we glide. Faithfully in our behavior may we follow thee, dear Savior. Lead us by thy hand to the fatherland. God bless you. I love you.
The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.